Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org heart. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Sarissa Thrower is a seasoned digital and entertainment communications executive with 15 years of experience building, implementing, and executing on strategic messaging campaigns for major brands and companies. She's also a storyteller, a Los Angeles evangelist, a casual observer, and a sparkling wine enthusiast. Currently, she leads digital creator and entertainment communications for Instagram in LA, and in her spare time, she enjoys live events, urban exploration, and the internet. Welcome to the podcast, Sarissa. I think that uh, everybody, I'll, I'll speak personally, I think that like I am always craving some just good conversation, man, during these times right now. Um, there's so much going on. Uh, there's so many feelings, so many emotions. Um, and I just think that it's really good to just see what you're going through, what you have perceived other people are going through. And, uh, let's just jump into it. Yeah. Um, so how have you guys been holding up during all of this? I, you know, it's me and my husband here and we don't have any children. So hats off to all the moms and dads who, are, you know, attempting to homeschool and keep their kids occupied for basically 24 hours a day. Because <laughs> I hear that a lot of bedtime schedules have shifted um, mm-hmm. under the weight of all of this. So again, hats off. Um, but I think it's it's really kind of created a shift in perspective for, for all of us on what it really means to be productive and to be engaged at work and outside and of work. How, how so? How has it shifted your perception? Well, I think if you, you know, are lucky enough to to still be engaged at work, to still have a job, frankly, um, you you've definitely gone or uh, undergone a sense of reprioritization. So, uh, I was just, I think we were just talking a little bit before, uh, you know, we we jumped on here, but it's really about how you're viewing productivity in the context of this sort of global pandemic that we're dealing with now. And for me personally, what that means is. Yes, I've worked from home before and, you know, I still do it fairly frequently, at least once or twice a week I was working from home, but there's a difference between doing it and then being able to leave whenever you like and doing it, you know, under a shelter in place order or safer at home order like we have here in LA um, and knowing that you really can't kind of go outside, um, that it's dangerous to go outside and it just kind of puts a different sort of mental weight on you. Um, when the context of the world around you has changed 
but you're still expected to sort of be productive and contribute. Sure. And so like, how, how has that affected you personally? Well, I think um, we all want to be productive, or I guess I can only speak for myself. Mm -hmm. I want to be productive. Mm -hmm. Um, But especially in the earlier stages, I was actually reading something um, this morning. It was a, a, I can't remember who shared it, but it was on Instagram. And they were talking about, this person was talking about a week by week sort of realization arc that people tend to have. And it's funny because, you know, we think that our experiences are so unique and that even as we're going through this thing, you know, literally as a planet in waves, you know, no one else could possibly be experiencing this thing the exact same way that I'm experiencing it. Well, that's not necessarily true. This person literally said week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, week six. And it talks a little bit about, you know, the frenzy that you would experience at work where everyone's kind of just, again, adjusting to this new normal, trying to churn out as much, you know, work as you can. Lots of calls, lots of emails, lots of docs going up and things like that. And and then there's this sort of, I think, drop almost where you're kind of trying to figure out, okay, what's really my priority? Um, that certainly happened for me. Um, is it okay for me to step away for an hour or two um, to, you know, sit in my backyard or be in my porch and take in some sunshine? Is there room for that? Is that okay? So it's really, I think, just for me, finding balance, I guess, would be the simplest answer to that. Yes. To that point, I think that to everybody, like balance is such a unique, like, or like such an individual thing. Um, And it's based on what your priorities are, right? Um, I feel like if there's ever a time for people's priorities to sort of come really come to light, I would assume that it would be now, um, where, you know, and it's interesting speaking to an audience right now who's listening, the people listening right now, they're all career women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of them have always or, you know, has definitely in, certain, in recent years really prioritized working in their own careers. Um, and there are a lot of women right now who they've always struggled to find that balance and now are out of balance because mm-hmm. maybe they've gotten laid off. Maybe they've gotten, you know, let go. Um, and, and, you know, what, uh, I don't know. Like, I think that's such an important thing that like should be discussed. Um, you sort of, uh, identify yourself in a certain way for so long. Um, and I know that a lot of career women that I respect that I really look up to is always really hugely identified themselves as like, I am my career and you know I've worked so hard to get this done so like what would you say to some women you know listening right now that their life is a little out of balance so this is actually something that's really interesting I talk about this a lot um really to anyone who will listen (laughs) I uh my philosophy on this I think is a little bit atypical for our generation and I've had my own journey on this path um and I think it's an evolution. I think, you know, growing up and growing through from a career perspective, the recession that we had back in, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, um, you, you kind of, I think, fell into two camps. Either 
I think you went into, you went, it was more than two camps. Let me, let me correct myself there. But you kind of, I think, went into sort of freelancer land. Um, you were entrepreneurial, you were creative, you were driven and motivated by your own path. Um, or you were sort of looking for a job. Um, and if you found one, you felt lucky and you, you were basically kind of engineered to think that any job is, is really just a blessing and that you, you know, you should be grateful for it essentially. Um, whether or not the job is good, frankly, whether or not you were appreciated at the job, whether or not you were being compensated accurately or fairly at the job. Um, and I think what that kind of created was almost like a crack or some kind of like dissonance, again, from a generational, like working generation standpoint. Um, it's been some time since I started my career. It's been, you know, almost two decades. And what I'm looking at now as someone who's, you know, had multiple jobs and has been in her career for a while is that I said this earlier this week, actually, it is possible for who you are and what you do to be two separate good things. So the identity of, you know, someone as a working person and someone as a person period, I think at this point, we got to, we got to break that apart. We have to separate it. And with this going of indoors, we are, I think on purpose being called to really examine, you know, who we are when we're at our quietest, even if you live with people, even if you have a whole family that you're with right now, um, you're still probably quieter than you've ever been in recent years, even if your house is again, full of children, um, running around and, and, and not taking their naps and, and whatever it is. But that's really powerful because when else, are, again, are you going to have this time? You know, hopefully it'll be a while before we're all cooped up, <laughs> um, you know, by order of, by order of our local um, and state governments to stay inside this way. Um, but also, you know, silver linings here, what a blessing to be able to really carefully examine our motivations and uh, again, the context and how we apply ourselves in the ways that we not only make money, but also this is such, such a cliche thing to do and talk about, but what we're really passionate about and how we apply that to our working life. And um, I was recently asked about, you know, finding your passion and how you apply that to your working life um, and how you find it for someone who's basically just starting out their career. And I think the advice has always been a little bit vague when, you know, follow your passion or if you do what you're passionate about, you'll never work a day in your life. But what if you don't know what you're passionate about? What if that's not exactly clear, you know, on what that means? Or what and if I you're in a position right now where, you know, you thought you knew and then mm -hmm. the whole world is disrupted the and you're questioning all the of bottom that. Yeah. 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 And again, not to, not to keep referencing our the conversation that we were just having before we jumped on here, but you said something that was really, uh, again, that struck me, which is that if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Now, I think that that quote can be taken negatively or positively, but if you're committed to the fundamentals, which I think can also be construed as a type of passion, so staying lean, staying creative, staying fun, helping people, building a community, building a story, building a narrative, 
then that can literally be applied to anything. And really the hard work, the place where the money is made usually is in finding out, okay, well, it no longer works this way. So what are some new ways that it works? Change is the only constant. We're always going to have to be presser to evolve. And I think this is just another evolution that we're facing. It is. I mean, it is. And, you know, I think that it's, I can imagine that it could be really reassuring to people to just hear like the skills never left, you know, the, the role at a specific company might've just been what disappeared, but your skills, your capabilities, like everything, it's always been inside of you. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, just trusting what's going on. Like you are not alone. I mean, like literally it's, it's the most unique experience. I think I'll speak personally. I've ever been through where, oh yeah. Uh, where you can have a conversation with somebody on the opposite end of the world who is going through all of the same things that you're going through here at home. And like, just to like lean into that collective experience, because there's something really powerful to that, just knowing that like, this is maybe the hardest thing that like, you've ever gone through in your life and the heaviness that it causes just because everybody around you is also going through the hardest part of their lives. But like, there's something there, which is that it's a collective experience. And like, there's also something there with like, we have the ability to help each other, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to that idea of community and building. And I think that's this next phase that we're entering as a society is really, that's where the magic will be. Um, I keep telling my friends who are kind of feeling some of the darkness weighing in on them and kind of closing in, you know, this, this time that we're entering is for the lovers. It really is. And however you take that to be, um, if you look to where you can be helpful, if you look outside of yourself, the relief is almost immediate. It really is. So even if you don't necessarily feel like you can be helpful at this point, all you have to do, if you are capable, if you are able, is pick up your phone and reach out to anybody. A text, yeah. a FaceTime call, a Zoom, whatever the, whatever the kids are doing nowadays. <laughs> if, it's, if it's five minutes, if it's just a note to check in on someone that maybe you haven't talked to in a while, but you know, on occasion they cross your mind, it's a huge difference. And I can't tell you how many people um, have told me that, you know, just... Just the, the the notion that, hey, if you need anything, I will find a way to help you. Um, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, you know, that's I'm I'm really um, inspired by what I've seen a lot of women doing, which is like really helping each other. Um, I've seen that a lot more than ever. I think I know that's like the the spirit of what it's always been. But, you know. I mean, Jesus, like if you're going <laughs> to have an opportunity to do it, it's now, you know, yeah. and I've really seen people elevate each other into a podcast. I feel like we're all probably listening to a lot of podcasts <laughs> these days. Um, and it was it was somebody talking about what's his name? Scooter uh, Braun? Scooter Braun. Is that his yeah. name? Yep. Who, Bieber, Ariana yeah. Ariana who represent. Yep. Who, mm-hmm. Yeah. Ariana Grande. Just. Bieber. Um, and he is incredible. I don't know if you've ever heard an interview with him. Um, but he was saying that some advice that he was given as a family man himself, um, somebody who absolutely always prioritized his career and suddenly, you know, now has a wife and, and two kids, that there's always there had been this struggle for him before 
to, you know, balance, like you were saying. And he was like, but you know, I always felt out of balance, right? Like I was always trying to strike a balance, but I always felt like my career was a little heavier than my home life and my family life. And, you know, I was always in a discord about that and felt uncomfortable. And someone had given him this advice that maybe it's not balance, but maybe it's about a harmony, mm-hmm. like harmonizing the things in your life together. And, and like, I, I, it affected me in a way that I feel like it also must have affected him, the fact that he brought it up in this interview, where, you know, there's so much happening around, especially a time like now. And um, it, I think that it's more of a harmony versus a balance. Something about that rings true, because it's the idea that, you know, it all can work together, and it can be different percentages. It doesn't have to be so evenly distributed, but it all does work together for you. Um, And I feel like in a time like right now where uh, there's so much um, uncertainty um, and people are feeling a lot of discomfort because of that, um, there's very little that people can sort of rely on right now. Everything is really up in the air and everyone's just trying to like figure it out as we go. just sort of knowing that like that disruption, you can prioritize it to just be harmonized together um, and just know that, you know, a good enough job. It doesn't yeah. need to necessarily be perfect. It doesn't need to be balanced, but it's all being harmonized. Does any of that <laughs> resonate with you? Because it definitely resonated with me when I heard him talking about this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh, what's interesting about that is that's actually true whether or not there's a global pandemic, funnily enough, is, mm-hmm. is and that's, that's a philosophy I think that is really helpful no matter what is going on in the world. And you know, in those times where you're really stressed out and it feels like you're kind of just moving from project to project and, you know, everything feels like it's urgent. Everything feels like it needs to be done right now. Everything feels like, you know, there's, it's, it's pressing and, you know, something, nothing can drop. Um, those are the little kind of nuggets of information that I, I do my best to try to take in and remember, um, that helped me absolutely believe in harmony. And of course, much easier said than done. Um, cause you have to remember, <laughs> you have to remember it first before you can start to practice it, but it does get easier. I think to, to start to inhabit that as an actual philosophy. Um, once you have that information and something you said just now, I think is especially true. And I think again, as we're inside and we're being progressive presents forest metaphors about bundling your home and auto in sports three goals is a hat trick and when you bundle your home and auto with progressive you get a hat trick of great savings and round the clock protection so you might be thinking wait that's two things a hat trick is three but in this metaphor great savings counts as two goals and so does round the clock protection so it's like four goals and that's more than three it's basic math Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh. 
hot, 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 hot. Call to silence the outside noise. Um, this is it's a great time to, to start this practice. Um, there's a quote, again, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So really figuring out on the spectrum what is good enough. And we all strive, obviously, as much as we can. Um, and I think your listeners, our listeners here will will agree to this or will agree with this toward excellence. So to the best of your ability, you always want to do, you know, the best that you can. Um, but sometimes you're you're met with limitations that are outside of your control. And I think the key is to not let those limitations affect how you view yourself or how you view your work product. So if you're a mother, if you, you know, you're working on six or five or seven simultaneous projects, you're, a lot of people that I'm friends with and that I work with, they're, 70% is like the average 110%. So <laughs> I don't know, I'm just, I'm just lucky enough to be like in a circle of amazing, fantastic, high achieving people. But, you know, on average, a lot of the people that I am around just happen to be able to go above and beyond. And it is crazy to see what they're capable of. Um, but these same people tend to beat themselves up way more. And I think that's something else that we're being called on to just not do. The comparison is, is truly, you know, a thief of joy. So really putting on those blinders, focusing on what you're able to kind of bring in the moment, according to your energy levels, according to your bandwidth, according to what the budget is, (laughs) um, you know, and being realistic about that and being direct and being honest and forthright, with yourself, with your family, with your friends, with your clients is again, direct and honest. And and that's, I feel like, you know, really what we're being called on to do right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And all that plays into as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. I feel like even just having those types of conversations, um, it, it gives someone else permission to also feel like they can express that those things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were talking a bit about community. And when I think about, you know, this incredible company that you work for, it's all about community. Um, and I think that, you know, influencer marketing at its core, that's absolutely what it's all about, you know, and I feel like in this, in this time, um, I think that the like the purity of what influencer marketing is without all the like bullshit of, you know, like, you know, fake followers and, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. like fake accounts and bots and, you know, these influencers doing ridiculous posts that they, you know, that are like re- just beyond yeah. <laughs> the, the, pu- the purity of what influencer marketing really truly is at its core and its purest form is really coming to light right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, former teachers or, you know, current teachers uh, who are sharing an incredible amount of resources with parents who never, ever took an educational course in their life to be able to teach children. (laughs) Um, And, you know, here's what you do. Here's how it works. You know, a lot of people are saying, I never paid these, these teachers were never paid enough (laughs) seeing what I Every teacher should be a billionaire. Yeah. Oh my God. Every teacher should be a (laughs) multi-billionaire. You know, it's just, you know, seeing, fitness influencers oh my goodness like putting out you know there are people who could be really profiting right now um and and some of and a lot of them are 
putting out free content like I've never seen them do. Um, fitness influencers is one of them. I mean, people are doing Instagram lives on a daily basis um, and just like pumping out content that, you know, they just know that people really need it. So, you know, with all the work that you're doing right now, how have you really seen community and the idea of what it meant, you know, a month ago, maybe in, in February of 2020? What have you, How have you seen community and that idea shift now that we're in almost April of 2020? Yeah, uh, I, I think back to like January and how long January was as a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, boy, time, time's really slipping. Um, so, I mean, just I think on a, on a personal level, part of the reason why I was, I've always been so drawn to social media, um, just as a medium, is what we're seeing right now. The ability to connect and bring people together at its core is really, I think, what the true value is. And I know, again, that sounds kind of cheesy, kind of cliche, but, you know, the representation that you get and the access that you get um, and the represent I, I said the representation, but the representation that was not previously available in more traditional forms of media um, that social media has kind of opened the gate for has been is truly unprecedented so that has always been um the most valuable thing about social media in my mind in my eyes and i think you know in times like this you remember like oh that's why these platforms um instagram included facebook included actually you know even tiktok youtube etc can be really really valuable when they're used correctly when i see people saying things like, oh, you know, you have to unplug, you have to detox, you have to, you know, the first thing that you should do is not check your phone and things like that. I think there's value to those things. And I definitely think everything in moderation, and you should definitely be mindful of your consumption habits when it comes to social media, just like you should with everything. Um, but I also think that if you're using these products, these platforms with intention, less of that will be required in the first place. So you should always be using these platforms with intention, all of them, including the one I work for, Instagram. Um, so that said, to answer your question, um, you know, last last weekend, there's a DJ, uh, DJ D-Nice, um, who's been a New York institution essentially since, I believe, the late 80s, a little bit before my time, <laughs> thankfully. It's like the only thing that's basically before my time. But you know, he's been around and he went from, I'd have to double check my numbers, but I believe at the onset of this, he was at around a quarter million followers um, on Instagram. And by the time Monday rolled around after he did a live set on Saturday um, that lasted basically the whole day, he was over 1 million. I think it was 1.1 million as of like Sunday, Monday. So what was the value there? Well, he brought a community and he had Joe Biden and Michelle Obama and, you know, Kelly Rowland was in, in the live at one point. Um, tons of music artists came to kind of pay their respects and dance and enjoy, not to mention all of the people across Instagram as a platform who literally sort of wanted to check out, enjoy themselves and come to this sort of virtual party that he had set up. And he didn't do it for the likes or the follows. That's not why he did it. He did it because DJing is what he does. It's his profession. It's his passion. And he found a way to leverage 
the platform that he likes to be on um, with the skill set that he has and the people that he cares about connecting. So he's using all of the tools at his disposal to make a difference. Um, this is not a pure influencer marketing example, but again, it's a way that people can use what they have at their disposal to, to make a difference. And I think that's what literally everyone should be doing right now. What skill sets do you already possess? What tools do you already have at your, uh, at your disposal to, to share and to make someone's day a little bit better? And, you know, he's, he's now going to be going live with Michelle Obama. Um, there's a level of access that he, and awareness that he now has among literally a whole new generation that he did not have before because he basically did a global virtual dance party last weekend and it was unprecedented. Nothing like that has ever happened in history. I don't think, um, at least not under these conditions. So stuff like that is crazy. And could that have happened in a time before something like Instagram existed? I don't know. I think that's arguable. It's, very powerful and like it's just like isn't there some sort of irony in that too like in a time where we're all being socially distant from each other there still is like this insane amount of connectedness that's possible because of a platform that you work for (laughs) you know and like like there there has to be some acknowledgement of that you know and 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 like what you were saying like the power that you have with what you're working with so if somebody happens to have you know some sort of following on Instagram or some sort of social platform where they can reach a few hundred thousand people even a couple hundred people if you're someone like me who has like a hundred and something followers like you know <laughs> to use that for good right yeah, you know absolutely. how do you feel like you've been using your platform platform for good oh, if gosh. we can make it personal <laughs> let's do it. Make it personal. I'm like have I been using my platform for good um I mean my my own Instagram is uh, I always tell people I'm like mm, definitely some buyer beware stuff going on on my Instagram <laughs> but um it's it's a mix so uh it's it's one part I, I tend to talk a little bit about social issues on my Instagram um it's it's a bit of an information share I try to make sure that the information I'm sharing is you know 100% accurate. Um, I do my research, I do my sourcing. Um, and that's something that's extremely important to me and actually to, to Instagram as a platform and to Facebook as a platform. There's been a lot of work done on that front, um, particularly in the face of this pandemic. And then um, a little bit of humor. Some some of the humor is a little bit darker, but um, I think levity is, is necessary at times like this and kind of moving away from the topic at hand. So you know, we've kind of been a little bit oversaturated with, you know, all the all the COVID nineteen talk a and the little? Talk. <laughs> a little. <laughs> so I think you know a, a welcome break from it here and there is is nice. I definitely did the push up challenge that I got tagged in. Um, still a little sore from that. It's been several days, <laughs> so that that definitely happened. But um, it's a mix and you know, during the day, I really, I'm not on it a ton. Um, I still use it as a method of communication in terms of like uh, the messaging. So I use a lot of direct messaging um, to talk to my friends, family, et cetera. And I do get a lot of information from there myself. So, you know, I share information. I also gain a lot of information that I then vet or share privately. Um, And again, it's a source of humor. I think you know, your mileage, again, your mileage may vary, but 
social media can be so much more than a distraction. I think if you only view it as a distraction, um, you're missing out on an entire world of good. It's at its best a tool for discovery of pretty much anything. So, you know, again, once we're all allowed to go outside, restaurants, travel recommendations, but also cool people and things to follow, um, news tidbits. I, I pretty much almost use Twitter exclusively for news, like, threads. Um, so I'll start on Twitter and then I'll kind of do a deeper dive either on Google or the actual news website itself. Um, I actually first started hearing about the flu on Twitter when it was still kind of localized in China and then it had spread to Iran. So I, I heard about that first on Twitter before it even, we had our first case here in the U S. So can you like around when were you first aware of it? Like in like December, November? Yeah, so it was actually probably, I would say, uh, the beginning of the holidays, probably around December 20th or so. Um, There were some Twitter threads circulating, and um, it wasn't, because a lot of, obviously, the information at that point, I think, was still probably in Chinese. So, you know, you had these, these Twitter threads that were being shared, and some of them were in Chinese, were linking to Chinese news articles, which I would then kind of go to Google and translate. Um, but it was like images of like tent hospitals, doctors who had been, you know, on their feet for clearly hours with like the marks on their face and things like that. So I was like, what is this? What something's going on, guys? <laughs> um, and then I actually have a have a friend who um, she works for a, a U.S. based company um, that so the company is headquartered in the U.S., but she is an American woman um, and she lives in Shanghai. So they have a Shanghai outpost. Um, that she and she lives in Shanghai, and she actually hasn't been allowed to go to her home in Shanghai since December, early December, because of the the, the spread there. Um, so she's basically been here in the U.S. since before the holidays um, as a result of this this virus. And between her and like my own kind of sleuthing, um, yeah, there was there was some momentum built there. Um, I took two international trips myself in February, one for work, one for personal. And it was just after the Super Bowl. Um, and I remember hearing about um, the initial spread to the U.S. Um, probably, I would say mid-February. And I don't even think we had widespread awareness yet. Um, that, like, I think the travel ban had just been instituted. So... Yeah, I, if you if you use social media correctly, there's a lot of information that you can glean before the general public. There is really is, and like the but and one hundred percent. And I mean, this is so. I'm I'm so glad you're bringing this up, right? It's like everyone listening right now. They're like, wow. Like I have someone who's like in it every day. Like, what insights do you have? Like, what's the best way to for people to use? you know, these social platforms. I mean, you're, you're, you've answered so many of them right here. I mean, and they all have different demographics and they all have, you know, um, different things that they do best. What would you say that Instagram does best compared to some of the other ones? So it's funny because I, I, I've worked at Instagram now to be two years um, in the summer. And before that, obviously, I was I was a regular user of, of Instagram and have always really loved Instagram. I think Instagram is best used for it's it's I use it as a tool for discovery. Um, 
I think generationally, that's, that's, it's, it's a question. So I don't know that younger people use it for a discovery tool for people to follow necessarily. I use it as a tool for discovery for like travel destinations, um, which again, once all this is over, <laughs> that will probably pick back up. Um, restaurants and things. Um, and like, just again, personal interests, home decor, a lot of shopping sort of, so like, um, like sustainable clothing and things like that. Um, and general interest. Yeah. It's also great for like, if you're interested in art, um, and culture and things like that, I think Instagram is a great, uh, resource for that kind of thing. It's also again, a great communication tool. So, you know, what our, our, our overarching sort of mission is connecting you to the people and things that you love. And that includes your friends and your family. A lot of times people will come to me and say, Hey, I've, uh, I've noticed that there's this username I, I would love to have. It doesn't seem like there's been any activity on this username. Can you help me with that? And I'll say, well, probably not, but um, <laughs> also just because you haven't seen a post doesn't mean that there's no activity on the username. So that's something interesting to consider is that a lot of times we'll keep a username and then actively be DMing or leaving comments on other profiles. Sure. Absolutely. Username. But if someone's not necessarily posting doesn't mean that they're not actively using the name. And that's something to keep in mind is that Instagram is still like a lot of people will use DMs more than they text. Um Again, I, when I say the kids, I mean that in the most loving way. <laughs> <laughs> but generationally speaking, like Gen Z, which is I think the oldest in Gen Z is like maybe 21, 22 years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't exchange phone numbers as much anymore, if at all. They give each other's Instagram handles. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, you get theoretically, you get a full spectrum of like their photos. You can see who their friends are right away. Um, you can see theoretically again a name where they live where they're from um who they hang out with if they have a pet family you get a ton of information in one fell swoop in addition to being able to contact them immediately so it's actually got more information than a phone number assuming they're not private so a lot of different instagram is good for a lot of different things um yeah, yeah. And so Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. When it, no, of course it does. Of course it does. And so, you know, it, 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 piggybacking off of that, you know, WIM is all about, you know, influencer marketing, right? So, you know, when let's dig a little bit into that really specifically. So, you know, when brands are activating influencers who are, you know, maybe they're on a multitude of different platforms. Maybe they also have a YouTube, maybe they also have, you know, a heavy Twitter presence, et cetera. 
What have you seen are the best ways that brands are utilizing influencers on Instagram? Um, I'll just chime in with one that I've seen, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think that the most powerful thing I've seen is just a swipe up link. Like when a swipe up link became available um, to me, that seemed like a game changer. And I haven't really seen another thing sort of really match that since it was introduced. What about you? What do you think is the best that you've seen? I would agree with the swipe up link. Um, and something similar is, uh, just anytime you're wearing a, a, a brand that tag through is essential. So there, I, people are always going to ask in the comments anyway, <laughs> Sure, but, but I, I have found that if, if, um, if someone's wearing an outfit that I like, the first thing I'll do is tap on the photo to see if I can figure out what brand it's from. And if it is, it saves, I think the creator or the influencer, the trouble of having to like name the brand because then I can kind of do my own sleuthing. But I would probably agree that the swipe up link is, is the single most beneficial aspect, um, mm -hmm. just on a pure conversion basis. Um, Instagram also has a ton of proprietary tools that support branded content. So, um, video is a hyper growth aspect. Um, these, these super cuts that people have been doing on IDTV, um, that again, the pandemic has kind of shifted the landscape on some of this, but, uh, there are these styling videos that like, you'll have, a, uh, someone show how to wear a white shirt seven different ways. Those are actually really, really compelling. I think, um, for like fashion influencers, let's say, and, that's interesting because if you are a brand that does that kind of like women's wear or men's wear, what that does is demonstrate use case um, on a body in real life. Because the number one issue that, that I hear when people talk about purchasing things online or conversion and things like that, um, it translates to conversion for a brand, is that they don't know sizing, they're unsure, um, and they'd like to be able to try things on. But whatever you can kind of do as a brand to close that gap is going to like be a benefit. So you want to make it easy to purchase, which, you know, has to do with like being able to find it price point, all that stuff. And then you want people to be able to visualize themselves wearing it. And I think the video access on IGTV is definitely a through line to that. The other thing is again, for then this is for more for beauty showing that range of shades and faces and category types. So I'm trying to think of a recent example. Um, Mac actually just came out with a new blush line. Um, I think it's called glow play. And this is embarrassing to share, but I've already, I bought four shades again, before we were forced inside, I was, I was planning like a whole spring moment, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm, I bought, so I've already bought four shades. And part of the reason why I was able to kind of do that is because, you know, I saw testers, they had, they'd sent out, uh, you know, samples, they'd gifted samples to different influencers with different skin tones. And then alongside that, there were swatches available on the swipe up link. So the destination, whether you're purchasing from Nordstrom or directly from Mac cosmetics.com, um, are displayed on different skin tones. And, and then within the, the gifting that they had done to various influencers, you're seeing like on faces, on wrists, et cetera, what the different shade range is looking like. So even before I'd set foot into a store and done my own swatching, um, I knew 
sort of high level, what shades would work on me, which shades wouldn't. And that brought me one step closer to purchase. So there's all kinds of different things that you can do that some, some of which use the product and features that within Instagram and some that don't, um, but that help you leverage the platform appropriately. And again, bring you closer to that, that holy grail of conversion. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, both all of those things are huge. Um, Because I think that's like a lot of when you're talking to marketers in particular, you know, who do have a landscape of a lot of different incredible platforms. I think that from a strategy perspective, it's so helpful to understand like that there could be a play on each of them and how they can all be different. I mean, a lot of people have been a lot of people have been talking a lot about TikTok (laughs) these days um, and how that has been like blowing up are you personally are you on tiktok like have you have you tried it do you have you explored it what's your are you on it i so i i do have a tiktok account on it is is a strong way of putting it i haven't (laughs) i haven't posted any videos publicly i have done a couple tiktok dances um i think that tiktok is a lot of fun um I sometimes enjoy going down a couple different rabbit holes when I'm when I'm on the app and I I I like looking at some of the TikTok videos. Um I think there's there's a skill set that is required to use TikTok well and I don't know that I possess that skill set. <laughs> it's a complicated <laughs> it platform. Is. It, is hard, it, it is hard to be a TikToker. So it all due is. respect to TikTokers. <laughs> yes. But seriously, once you start really exploring TikTok from like a, if you're posting on there, you know, not just consuming content, like there are so many options. <laughs> it's like a little overwhelming. Um, there's so many things to do on there. But arguably on Instagram, I mean, as the years have gone on, you know, it is so far from just posting an image and a caption anymore. You know, I mean, you talked about IGTV, which arguably took quite a while in my in my uh, observation to like like pick up steam. Um, and I feel like when it was first launched, uh, it seemed like it was like, Oh my goodness, like they're going to really rival YouTube right now. Like what's about to happen. Um, and it did, it took a while to take off, but it took off. It did. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about like IGTV and, um, you know, where do you see IGTV going and how it sort of plays into the whole ecosystem that is Instagram? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, IGTV is basically meant to be Instagram's best in class, long form video viewing product. Um, that was, <laughs> was my best PR delivery version of it. <laughs> um, but really, it's a place where you can have that extended viewing experience. So um, and it's a destination, it's meant to be a destination. And we see best in class, again, examples of that use all the time, in particular right now with, you know, kind of everyone at home and they're, they're testing out use case. They're testing out ways that, you know, their audience kind of wants to experience their, their content, essentially. Um, I think John Mayer often comes up as one of the best ways that you can sort of experiment with the format on IGTV. He does... Um, a talk show on on his Instagram. If you've never seen it, uh, you should definitely check it out. But he 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 temporarily brought it back for the pandemic, basically. And 
you know, he he would have guests on it um, prior to this, but right now it's, it's just him, sort of, for obvious reasons. And it's kind of wacky, it's kind of zany, and it's really just a place where you can kind of experiment. Um, the stakes are very, very low on IDTV, and it's meant to be a place where people can have fun. It's not supposed to be super high production. I think in Instagram's earlier years, there was a sense that, at least in the influencer space or the creator space, there was a sense that like your feed posts had to be really high production. Um, they had to be very poised and from a content perspective, very specific. So, you know, you couldn't post too many times a day. Um, they had to have a certain look or aesthetic. And all of those rules are sort of out the window right now from a generational standpoint. I don't think it's what the audience really wants to see anymore. But also, again, considering culturally we've shifted, the time that we're in right now was shifted. And it's really kind of back to how Instagram was when it first launched and everyone was just posting like weird, unattractive photos of their food and like their pets and like random cups of coffee and things like that. Um, it's kind of like making its way back to that standpoint. And you're seeing a lot more, you know, bathroom selfies and um, group photos that aren't perfect. And, you know, occasionally you'll catch a blurry picture here and there. And I think that's, again, organically and at its core, what people most enjoy and what it's really meant to be. It's, it's, the, it's the digital experience of living. And that's what makes social media enjoyable. That's what makes Instagram enjoyable. There is, um, she's, she's very Gen Z, um, but she goes by basical B-A-S-I-C-K-L-E. Mm-hmm. And her content, her content is, I'm going to use the word weird, but I don't mean it in a negative way. <laughs> so like she'll do a makeup tutorial where she like, she'll like make herself up as her dog and again sounds weird but when you see her do it it's actually really cute (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) and you know and like she'll like she'll do the whole thing she'll like walk you through it and then the finished product is you're just like wow that's actually really cute and like I would never attempt this myself but I was entertained for a full minute and a half or whatever it was would definitely watch that again would definitely share that content and it absolutely belongs on Instagram. And you know what? It might actually belong on TikTok too. So I think we're kind of seeing a shift in lanes. I think we're seeing a shift in, again, there's a generational aspect to this, which is not the first time that this has happened. Um, going back to IGTV. So it's been two years since IGTV launched. Um, it'll be two years in May. And, you know, we've iterated on the product from a feature standpoint, um, you've, you've got feed previews, you've got all these different aspects that have come and sort of served to make the product more of a value add for the people who use it. And what that really kind of expressed was just us making these tweaks to figure out, you know, well, what do people, what are the ex- expectations of this, this product from that people who are actually using it, both from a community standpoint and also from the creators who actually, you know, the ones who are designed to be posting on this product. And then on top of that, um, how are we thinking about the next phase of IDTV? So two years in, what are we doing next with IDTV? 
Um, there's certainly expectations around the product. And I think, again, some of those have shifted with the pandemic and, and, and COVID and things like that. But one thing I will say is definitely keep an eye on it. Um, I'm sure we'll have more to share very shortly. But we're not done with IGTV yet. So no. I personally love it. I watch it all the time. Um, Cardi B is uh, <laughs> 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 good on IGTV. She's good on Instagram, period. <laughs> very entertaining. Um, but yeah a lot of fun it is actually a lot of fun to use it is it is I love stories personally I I, like I think you know it's I really love what Instagram has done in like all of the different sort of products that it offers because I feel like within one location within one app you have the ability to explore like beautifully incredibly polished content in a photo um, you know, you can see like super raw, fun stuff in stories. Um, you can find value with this swipe ups, whether it's something to buy or like a, an article that's interesting. So you can educate yourself. I mean, there's so many different things that within one platform, you have the ability to explore. So to your point, which I think you probably first said when we started on this conversation is like, what do you use Instagram for? It's to explore. It's like exploration. Um, yeah. which is so true. Um, you know, what do you think are, you know, some of the, when it, can we talk about Facebook for a little bit? Sure. <laughs> cool. So talk to me about Facebook and sort of like your experience and how the two have the, you know, they, they're the same company, but I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, at least from my perspective, I mean, they are still very different. Absolutely. Um, how do you see them um, as different? Like, what are some of the, the things that you think Facebook does the best? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, well, when I started at FB Inc., um, or the Facebook company, um, I actually was working on the Facebook side, and I, I worked still on, on the creator side um, and supporting some of their uh, video communications. So have a little bit of insight there. Um, you know, started using Facebook as, as just as a human being, when everyone else did, when a lot of people did, um, as a college student, way back in a year I won't talk about, (laughs) but um, kind of grew up with it in that sense, and have a lot of affinity and a lot of love for Facebook. Um, And again, as a singular product that serves to connect people, I think it does that fantastically. Um, I think what we're seeing right now is a return to form. Um, when you think about what Facebook does best, well, you know, if you just look at the news, this is this is what Facebook does best. Um, you have a groundswell effort around support for communities. Um, to your point, you talk about things like the WIM group. That's a perfect example of Facebook's, again, best practices, best in class that's exactly what Facebook is for. I think some of the, you know, turbulence that the platform has experienced over the past couple of years is the downside of, of what it means when you're, when you have a lot of people on your platform and everyone's connected in that way. So there's a good side of having everyone be connected and there's a bad side. And Facebook is the medium, but you have to remember that human beings are fallible and, you know, if you put a tool in someone's hand, how, how they use it is really up to them. I think the, the responsibility 
of the platform to monitor how people use it, there's definitely some of that there. There's definitely a lot of that there. Um, Mm -hmm. But what we're seeing right now in terms of how social media is being used, again, to good and and bad and across the board, because it's not just Facebook that has some of the issues that it has, um, is unprecedented. There has been no time like this in history. And when you think about the scale, the amount of people that have access to technology, when you think about, you know, the kind of issues that we're facing on a societal level, and again, even things like this pandemic. So we've had pandemics before. We had Spanish flu. We've actually had flus before in the 21st century. Um, I did this as part of my like little Twitter deep dive um, (laughs) on... (laughs) on this new coronavirus. Um, So we had SARS and we had swine flu, you know, not even 20 years ago at this point. But the difference with those two pandemics was it was really a lack of widespread social media the way that we have it now. The whole world wasn't as mobile-oriented as it is now. And you just didn't have the end-to-end connection and communication that you have now. The flip side of that is that, well, now that we have that, how can we use it for greater good? And I think, again, that's what Facebook does best. So if you can leverage the, the tools at your disposal for positive means, for positive end, then that's when you see the real groundswell. That's when you see the real good happen. Um, that and then the resourcing. It can't be denied that Facebook is a big company. It's traded publicly. It has resources. So anything that it can do to give is great. Um, when you see like, the news of, of offering small business. Small business is a huge part of Facebook's value and a huge part of, of how it operates in the world. So giving back only makes sense. Um, working in tandem with, you know, these giant organizations like the World Health Organization and the CDC only makes sense. The benefit of being as big as Facebook is, is having that kind of access. So yeah, I think, again, it only makes sense. If you have the kind of scale, then you should be using your scale for good. Well, you should, but oh, there are a lot of people that don't. So I do think true. it's still in I mean, sure, you think that they should. <laughs> there, there are a lot of people who don't. And I, I, I think they should, too, for the record. I think a lot of people do. Um, but... You know, so it's so it's still worth commending um, is my point, you know, when they do, because sure. people you definitely have choices. And um, with so much that they've, you know, built, um, there are a number of different choices of where to put those resources. Um, and so, you know, I think that it's refreshing to hear when um, when you feel like they're putting them in the right places. Um and, you know, like, I think that a lot of women listening to this podcast are probably, um, you know, really admire what you have done um, and respect what you have done personally in regards to your own career path. Um, you know, we heard a little bit in this intro or the intro to this episode just like about how you got to where you are today and like your your career path. But like in your own words, you know, how did you how did you get to where you are today? And, you know, what were things that you maybe learned along the way that people listening you think would really benefit from hearing? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, thank you, first of all. Um, I can tell you that it was a long and winding road. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, there is no linear path to 
I don't even know if you can call it success. Um, it's, it is, it is really truly what you, what you make of it. And what's, what's been interesting, and this is actually just a recent discovery for me, um, how you define success tends to change and evolve as you get deeper into your career as well. Uh, I think, you know, when I started my career, I had an idea of even dream companies to work for dream positions, titles, roles, salaries that I thought, okay, once I get here, uh, you know, this is, this is how it's going to be. This is where I will feel like I've made it. Um, and turns out that that not only is not necessarily true, but sometimes you're, you know, you're a step away or you're, you gain access to those rooms that you thought you wanted to be in. You're in them and you're like, never mind. I think I'm good. Um, so that's definitely something that you learn along the way. Um, I think it really just boils down to being open to the opportunities that come your way. And anytime someone asks me for advice on their career path or what they should do in a given situation, I remind them that oftentimes, you know, the opportunity that, that comes to you won't necessarily look how you think it will. Um, there's a lot to be said. I hate and I, I dislike this term. I do not like this term, but for paying your dues. And I don't mean that in order to be successful, you have to suffer first. That's not what paying your dues means to my mind. What it really means is that sometimes good things take, take time. That's all it really means. Um, I would argue meantime, to say that I would argue to say that all good things take time. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> that's just been <laughs> yeah. my personal experience. Yeah, so, yes, I I agree with you on that yeah. for sure. So, I mean, yeah. Sometimes sometimes people get lucky and you know they just hit the jackpot really early on and then their trajectory oh, those keeps. People, sir, that. Those freaking people, man. I don't know. That's not me. I don't know if that was you. Was that ever you? No, it was not. Definitely not me. But okay. I do. I do. I have seen them. Um, a lot of them aren't even 30 yet. I mean, there's a whole list. Yeah, it's in Forbes every year. People, those people. I don't even, I have no words for those people. Go on. <laughs> um, you know, some people just, they strike it rich. But I also feel like, you know, if you if you happen to be one of those people, there's um, there's something that maybe you, you have, like, what do you do then? So, like, let's say you're CEO by 27. And then what? You know, I think there's there's other things that are missing in your trajectory um, just by virtue of your own experience. And you don't know what you don't know, period. And that's true for all of us. So even if it seems like from the outside, you've accomplished all these things. And that's, again, not to minimize because you definitely have accomplished some things, theoretically, if you're a CEO by 27, 28, whatever, and you've got a successful company. Um, but I think, you know, things like privilege factor into that, things like your background. Like those are the questions that I would ask when presented with that case. Um, but just going back to, <laughs> to the rest of us and, and paying and the paying of the dues. Um, what I've learned is that, is that, um, you know, the experience that you gain by paying those dues is truly, truly, truly invaluable. And it teaches you, uh, again, a kind of grace and a kind of, I think ease of movement um, is what I feel like I've gained. And I stress a lot less about things I've found. Um, I still, you know, I still do get anxiety and I still, again, want to achieve and I still worry sometimes about outcomes, um, but not nearly as much as I used to. And 
because I know what I'm doing because I've built a skill set because I've seen most situations before and you only kind of gain that when you've been through it there's really no other way to kind of accomplish that um there's again I, I'm, I'm just full of like idioms and quotes during the session but <laughs> there's one that um I'm, I'm not going to get this right but something that basically says you have not you have knowledge and then you have experience and when you combine the two that's wisdom um, and there's there's nothing like that wisdom that you gain from your knowledge and your experience combined and there's something that's really amazing about, you know, and I'm, not, I'm not even, you know, I still have, I still have some good working years left, I hope. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Um, but, you know, and, and not being done yet and feeling like I'm in a place where, you know, I've, I've accomplished some really cool things. I can look back um, on my career and be really proud of the people that I've worked with, of the places where I've worked, of the work that I've done, um, of what I've learned. And even the times when I've failed, um, and I haven't done well and I've made a mistake and I've been dismissed or excused from what I was doing. Um, I still was like, well, that needed to happen in order for me to do the next thing that I did, which was actually really awesome. You know, so it's you take it all in stride. I mean, you can, and it sounds like you have, <laughs> and it sounds like it's benefited you. So I feel like people hopefully listening to this will, will, you know, take that into consideration as something that they could do. You know, uh, on a few recent episodes, we started sort of sharing a little bit about like, what does it look like? What does failure look like? You know, what has a failure looked like? You know, we talk all about, you know, it's ironic that you work at a company, Instagram, right? Like Instagram historically has always been about like pretty and perfect content and like these perfect lives that people are living. But, you know, talking about, a, you know, you are a real person um, and I'm and, you know, you just said yourself, you know, you've had failures, you've had moments that have certainly felt uncomfortable and, you know, you might even deem as an actual failure in your career. Like those are difficult moments to talk about because, you know, I don't know who wants to talk about those moments, but I, I do. <laughs> I think yeah. that people listening probably want to hear about those because they've also gone through them themselves. Um, it's it's a shared experience and there's certainly value to be gleaned from that. So could you, is there a sort of a, a moment, you know, where it was difficult, it was a huge challenge, you might even feel like you failed, but you know, what that wisdom that you now, you know, it, it, that you now feel that you took from that because time has passed, what, what sort of lessons have you learned from those experiences? Oh yeah. I, I fail all the time. Are you kidding me? Um, I think failure is a natural part of the progression and you, if you're, if you feel like you're winning all the time, you're not learning anything. So the, the success only comes from the challenge. Um, and I think that's part of what we were talking about and part of why, you know, our, our chuckles about the, the, the folks who are on the Forbes 30 under 30, um, not to, not to say that they haven't had failures, but you know, when you peak early on, you know, you're basically constantly trying to stay at the top, essentially. So it's hard to do that. Failure gives you the chance to climb back again. It's actually, I think, a little bit of a relief when you fail because you're like, ooh, it gives you some um, some of that pressure hum release. Humility. Yeah. Too. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, And you can kind of like be like, well, okay, the worst thing that I thought was going to happen may have happened. So I can get up, I can dust myself off and I can try again. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific example that's safe to share here. Um, (laughs) I mean, just in the course of like, you know, not, not delivering on, you know, something that I was holding myself accountable for something that my team was holding me accountable for. I've had, um, roles that, you know, I thought it was a good fit and luckily there hasn't been that many of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just was not a good fit. And I had to like make a decision. Okay, this is not working out. I need to walk away from this. And that is hard to do when, you know, you have bills to pay and, you left what you thought was a better position potentially or a really good position to come to this new position. Um, and, you know, it turns out it's been a month or two months and you're like, am I going to have to quit this job that I just started to like look for a new job? Um, or where, you know, maybe your company has designated a budget for you to take something on and, it's, it's not a failure, but you're not, you have anxiety the whole time because you need help with all these balls in the air and you're basically just hoping that this works out. And, you know, because you, one thing, actually, let me take a step back there. One thing that I really like about Instagram and Facebook um, is that the projects that we take on are very much self-directed and self-led. So in terms of goaling, um, and this may not be true for every organization, but within the organization that I'm in, you pretty much decide on a, on a half yearly basis um, how you want to go forward in terms of what you're goaled against as long as they align up with, you know, the mission and the values and the goals of the larger business um, and then how you want to execute against those goals. So essentially, if you have an idea and it lines up with the, the business directive, you can execute on that idea and it will be resourced and you basically are responsible for making sure it gets done. And, you know, you, you get teams on board, you can get buy-in, um, but you're responsible for it, which sounds great in theory until you realize that it's like your job to see it through. And some of these jobs, some of these projects are a heavy lift um, and they can be really stressful. They can take months to come to fruition and every step of the way is a slog because, you know, there's approvals that are required. You're working with legal, you're working with policy, you're working with accounting. It's, it's like a whole thing. Um, those moments can be really, really taxing. And I think if you never experience those kinds of trials um, from a work perspective or even a personal perspective, you're not really trying hard enough. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a value judgment. I don't know. But... Mm-hmm. If everything always feels easy, it means you're not pushing yourself from my perspective. Oh my gosh. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Failure failure is part of the deal. And I think to have failed is to have dared, you know, Mm -hmm. basically. And, you know, if you never dare, then you never get anything done. It's very, very easy to be comfortable, to be complacent. And I think Mm -hmm. to me, that's where success goes to die. So sure. It's yeah. I mean, to make a sports reference, it's like, you know, play (laughs) ball, right? It's like, yeah, you know, are you gonna sit on the sidelines and watch the game or are you there to play? You know? And, And you know, to your point, look, it's like whether it's, you know, influencers who, you know, everybody has stepped up their game, like there's no bad content, like 
quality wise anymore like that doesn't really exist like the quality of content is like really stellar these days you know the caliber of um of employees at companies and like the you know people who are rearing to go and coming up with incredible ideas and are brilliant you know whether they've you know whether they're on a forbes 30 under 30 list or if they take a, a couple more years <laughs> like there's some maybe they're, they're 40 under 40 maybe they're oh they're like settling for the 40 under 40 though right they're like i don't know does this even count like what is this <laughs> like they you know there are people out there and you know it's it's you know like I think you mentioned it before, it's important to put up blinders to a certain extent just to make sure you're not constantly comparing yourself with people. But you should really, you know, stand up to your own standards. You should really meet your own standards. Um, and, uh, and like you said, it's just the rewarding feeling of having Super, you know, su- succeeded your own standards and pushed yourself and the learning. It's, it's just sort of maybe ha- an experience that you have to go through to understand the value of it, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I think you again as you get deeper into your career, as you as you get a little bit older, you really start to understand that for what it is. I think when you're young and you're just starting out, you're just kind of obsessed with the achievement. And that's all that really matters is, again, that feeling of accomplishment. Is it the title? Is it the money? Is it, is it, the, is it the name on the building? Um, but you, you eventually need more than that because it's not enough. You can't take that with you, you know, to use kind of the parlance of the day. You need more than that. And money's important. You have bills to pay, but it's not everything. And, again, to reference what I said earlier, who you are and what you do can be two good separate things. So... You know, when I go out and I introduce myself to someone, I don't say, hi, I'm Sarissa, who works at Instagram. (laughs) That's not (laughs) what I say. I'm a lot of things before I am an Instagram slash Facebook slash Facebook company employee. Um, And I think it's very, very important to kind of maintain that clarity of of being so that, you know, they don't become intertwined. And I think that should be the case, really, even if you work for yourself, even if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner. Mm, I love that so much. And so we asked this last question of everybody who comes on. What do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or personal advantage today? Gosh, that's a really good question. I'm pretty hard-headed, so I don't know that anything would have helped me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's real. (laughs) You know, uh, my dad, he, he gave me a lot of really great advice. And, you know, I th- again, I think this is just something that you have to kind of like live through it to really understand. But change is, change is the only constant. Um, I, I'll say this. You're, you're, at least for me, and maybe this isn't true for everyone, I don't know. But your biggest assets, your biggest skill sets will be will reside in your ability to be adaptable and to be resilient. Like if you can adapt and you can come back from whatever, you will be unstoppable. Well, how uh, relevant is that right now given everything (laughs) that's going on? So I think that I couldn't ask for a better place to end this podcast. Um, I feel like so many people are going to love to want to get in touch with you. Um, What's the best way for people to reach you if they want to touch base? They can find me um, on my LinkedIn 
And then um, my Instagram, I had to, had to do it, having to give out my Instagram. It's uh, art. <laughs> it's art. That's what the kids do these days, Sarah. <laughs> it is. Who carries business cards anymore? Um, it's art of the is because I used to be a really big Jay Z fan, still am. Um, R T O T H E I S S A. Perfect. And we'll list all of that in the show notes of the podcast. Sarissa, it was such a pleasure having you on. I'm so happy to hear that you're doing well. Um, And thank you for coming on today because I feel like a lot of people would really appreciate all these things that you were talking about today. So thank you again. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. Here at Total Wine and More, you'll find what you love and love what you find. I'm looking for a whiskey that will blow my buddies away. This single barrel bourbon is a surefire hit. Oh, yeah. Whoa, did you hear that? I feel like a rock star. Well, finding this bottle at that price, you totally are. Find what you love, love what you find. Only at Total Wine and More. Pickup and delivery available at TotalWine.com. Drink responsibly. B21. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.